Hello, everybody, and thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a new release. It's a collection called Magic Nights. 2017, I released an album called On the Road, which was hugely successful. And uh, the people at Columbia Records asked me, would I consider a follow up? At first, I hesitated a bit, but then I got into it and we started listening to, we, we record all our gigs these days. And Jimmy Higgins and Davey Mead trawled through hundreds of gigs and came up with, with these versions, which then we, we remixed. And in some cases we overdubbed and then mastered. And uh, I ended up being really happy with, with the concept. It's, it's worked out very, very well. And I've enjoyed the process and I hope you too will enjoy listening to it. And thank you very much for listening. Magic Nights in the Lobby Bar. I actually heard a John Spillane sing this song one night down in Clonakilty, in Debarras in Clonakilty. And I just, the, the thing about this song is, is, is I think we all have magic nights in our head. Like I imagine a night where I, I go into a pub or I go into a club and all my favorite artists are booked to play. So I hear all these different, different people getting up and singing these songs that I want to hear. It's like a dream song. So at Magic Nights, the Lobby Bar, it's, to me, it's like a dream. And I'm dreaming that all my favorite artists and favorite singers are appearing on the stage and I'm sitting in bliss in the audience. And that's what this song suggests to me. I love singing it. I love the imagery of it. I, I like the way John Spillane writes. It's, it's very, to me, it's pure poetry. Matty. I've always been a fan of, of the writing of Johnny Mulhern. I used to hear him a lot in the folk clubs and I first heard him maybe 40 years ago. But when I heard this song, I, I just thought it, it's very, very well constructed. And the, the imagery in it is very powerful. And even though I don't know anything about what John is writing about, it relates entirely to my own life experience and the things I experienced uh, growing up in County Kildare. Um, my, my own grandmother used to talk about uh, the dark familiar. They used to talk about meeting yourself coming the other way. And it's an old concept um, that sometimes we may encounter our own image and it's okay to stop and reflect upon your own image, but you must never seek to embrace it. And this, this song describes the consequences of embracing one's own image. Sonny's Dream. This song is very interesting for a number of reasons. First of all, I was just taken by the sheer beauty of the song when, it, when I first heard it. I actually produced a recording Hamish made of the song around 1980. Hamish came to Ireland and the, the late Jerry Rafferty financed the project and we recorded Hamish singing um, Sonny's Dream. And unfortunately, the, 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 the single never took off and I decided then to record it myself. And the song went on to become very successful and very well known in Ireland. Uh, but there's a little story attached to it that when Ron's song became very popular in Ireland. He was very taken with this, so much so that he, he decided to come to Ireland and he flew into Ireland and 
he heard then my recording of his song and he'd never heard the last verse before. And we don't know where the last verse came from, who wrote it or Ron Hines had never heard it before, certainly didn't uh, write it. So a little bit of a mystery attached to that. Again, it's a beautiful song. Like it was never a hit or anything, but like a lot of songs, without being hits, they become very famous and they become much loved. And this song always still is the night. And it's one of those songs that audiences sing quietly. And it has a, a special aura about it. Ringing the bell. A few years ago, I played at the Kilruddery Festival out in County Wicklow. And there I met a young Irish singer called Dylan Walsh. He now lives in Nashville. And Dylan wrote to me from Nashville telling me about this Dublin singer called Rob Corcoran, that he'd written this song called Ringing the Bell. And when I heard this song, I was just thought, oh, yeah. This song is saying something I feel deeply. And it's saying something I feel, I feel really strongly about. But I've never been able to, to write it myself. So I contacted Rob in London, got his blessing and recorded his song. And it's a very powerful song that has anger in it, but it also has love and loss and... The song really affects me every time I sing it. You know, um, Ringing the Bell is a big song. Not everybody is going to like it, but uh, that's not my problem. A Pair of Brown Eyes. Well, from very early on, um, I've been aware of, of Shane, of Shane McGowan. I first heard of him in The Nips. And uh, then he moved on into Pogue Mahone and on into the Pogues. And um, I met, met Shane a few times. I've, I've a great admiration for his writing. He, he, uh, he, writes, he writes in a way that nobody else writes about Irishness or about being Irish. His songs are really, really Irish in a very special way. And A Pair of Brown Eyes, I, I sought his blessing to, to cover it. And... Uh, he was very, it meant a lot to me that he was happy with my covering it. Uh, many years ago, in the 80s, I, I recorded it on an album called, I think, Unfinished Revolution. And then I began to do it with the Trad Outfit. And, um, ah, it's just a great song to sing. Again, the imagery of it, you know, he gets under the skin of it. My great... My, my my grand uncle uh, Jim Sheeran uh, died in the First World War. He was blown up at Ypres, and I think of him when I when I when I sing this song. Uh, I think of a lot of different things when I sing this song. I remember singing it one night near the killing fields at a festival in Dranuter in, in Belgium, and I sang this song, and it's still the night. And the following day, then I went and 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 saw my grand uncle's name up upon the the monument at Ypres. It all tied in together, and it lives on with me in that way. Sail on, Jimmy, also known as Irish Pagan Ritual. A wonderful writer called Albert Nyland. He now lives in San Francisco, and he sent me this song over from San Francisco. Uh, he, he said, I, I, th I think you might like this one. And I played it and I loved it. Got back to him straight away. I rang him in San Francisco and said, 
Is it okay if I sing your song? And he said, I'd be honoured if you sang my song. And we've had a great time with this. What's particularly interesting about this song is the version on the album was recorded in the Marquis in Cork. I played it to 4,800 people who had never heard the song before. And yet, after three minutes, they all lustily sang the chorus, a chorus they'd never heard previously. And I thought, what an amazing, what an amazing thing. That is. The song Burning Times was written by Charlie Murphy. And I had the great pleasure of singing this song for Charlie Murphy in the Royal Festival Hall in London shortly before he, he died. And it was a very special night. I've recorded the song two or three times and it had fallen off the set list um, completely until the murder of Lyra McKee. And I was, I wanted in some way to, to mark the passing of Lyra McKee, a beautiful, beautiful young woman. This version to me has something special because of the atmosphere that was created the night we, we recorded this was in Belfast, shortly after Lyra's murder. And definitely the audience created an atmosphere that made this recording special. The tune beat. Jimmy Higgins, who plays in the band, he plays percussion and keyboards and does back and vocals. Uh, he's a very special man and he's, he's a real band man. And he sources songs for me. And he brought this song to me from the writing of Porrick Stevens. And it's, it just really catches me, this song. You know, grown up in, in school as a small boy, we always heard of Carlo, Mallow, Thurlis and Tume. And they were the four places in Ireland that had sugar factories. Sugar uh, extracted from, from beet, sugar beet. And uh, the whole song is rolled up and all of that. And... Uh, I love the music of it, I love the quirkiness of it, and I love the rhythm of it. And i um, so happy to sing Porrick Stevens' song. Uh, uh, he's a wonderful writer. There's a great music scene in Tume in County Galway, and Porrick Stevens is at the heart of it all. Back home in Derry. About 1978 or 79, I was doing a series of gigs called Smash H-Block. And um, after one of those gigs, I encountered a young man who had just been released from the H-Blocks and he carried this song to me, uh, which subsequently I discovered the song was written by Bobby Sands. And um, th there were f extra verses, verses in it, but I, I condensed it down into the verses contained here. And... Um, Subsequently, I've sung the song all over the world. But I've recorded two of Bobby's songs, but I always like to say that I didn't record these songs because they were written by Bobby Sands. I recorded them because they're very, very, they contain very, very good writing. And they're, they're worthy songs. And I suppose they're made that bit extra special by the fact that they were written by Bobby, who subsequently died in hunger strike in 1981. Rosalita and Jack Campbell. I attend a, 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 a singing club in Dublin called the Goldene Singers Club. 
and it, it, it meets all the year round uh, where unaccompanied singers gather and sing songs in the old style or in the new style. Um, and I heard the man that wrote the song, his name is Sean Moan. He's from Cadian County, Armagh, and he's a very fine songwriter. And I was very, very taken with this song when I heard it because it, it contains so many different emotions. It's very simple. It appears very simple, but it's got great co construction in it. And it tells a huge story in a very short period of time. It's like a film that runs for three minutes. And it's, uh, it's an emotional song to sing. And uh, I, I leave it to you to, to, to listen to it and decide for yourselves. Wally Page is the writer with whom I have done a lot of collaborating. We've, we've written a lot of songs together and I've covered many of his songs. And there was a film being made uh, about Duffy's Cut. And Duffy's Cut is, is, is a famous cut through a mountain for the laying of a railway line in the 19th century. And um, there were a lot of remains discovered there. Uh, and it, it turned out there were 57 bodies uh, buried surrounding the area of Duffy's Cut. And a film was being made uh, about Duffy's Cut and they contacted Wally and asked him to write a song. And he wrote this song. Uh, but there's still a lot of mystery as to about what happened. It, it, historically, it was written that the, the, the people buried there had died of cholera. But then it was discovered that some of them had um, skull uh, fractures. They had nothing to do with cholera. And there are different stories floating around. There may have been a labour dispute. Heavies may have been brought in to sort it out. But the, at the end of the day, there were 57 uh, people killed at Duffy's Cut. And the song which Wally wrote uh, describes some of the possibilities as to what might have happened. This is a great song to sing. It's a powerful song and uh, it keeps the story of of those people alive and it gets us talking about what happened to those who died at Duffy's Cut. Motherland. The only thing I can say about this song is one night I sang it in a folk club down in Liston Varna in the Royal Spa Hotel and I sang this song only to discover afterwards that Natalie Merchant was in the audience. And I never met her or never... Uh, but I also heard another quote where Natalie said that uh, an Irish singer called Christy Moore has turned Motherland into an Irish folk song. And I thought that was a lovely thing to hear. I really liked that. I come to the song Spansel Hill. And when I was 18, I was working in a bank in County Clare. The most difficult three years of my life were the three years I spent working in the National Bank. And while I was in County Clare, I went to a, a, a singing session one Sunday night in 1964. And there I heard this song for the first time. I can't remember who sang it. I think it was a woman that sang it. And I spoke to the man of the house afterwards, and his name was John Minogue. And John told me a little bit about the song and 
told me he would get the words for me. And true to his word, he did. He arrived into the bank the next day with the words of Spencer Hill. So I learnt it back in 1964 and recorded it then on the Prosperous album in 1971. And the song then blossomed out and many, many people uh, covered it. And the song became, of course, it was also uh, sung by the legendary Robin McMahon, who, who carried the song far and wide as well. And then it, it fell it fell from my set list for many, many years until one night I was singing in Barrowland in Glasgow and someone shouted up, sing Spansel Hill. And I took a chance and I sang it. And I was blown away by the way the people of Glasgow sang it with me. Uh, I was quite astounded. that they, 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 As soon as I began to sing it, they joined in. And it really affected me. And we ended up with this beautiful version of the great song Spansel Hill. It was written, Spansel Hill was written by a young man uh, who was born in 1850 in Spansel Hill, Michael Considine, and he emigrated to America at the age of 15. And at the age of 23, he died working down the mines. Before he died, he sent this beautiful song home from California. And the story makes the song particularly poignant. Um, I'm so happy to have, have sung it again. I'm so happy with this version. Before the deluge. When I played at Moving Hearts in uh, 1981, Declan Sinnott brought this song in, in, into, the, into the repertoire and um, recorded it with Moving Hearts. And uh, subsequent to that, I was playing in Culver City outside Los Angeles. And Jackson Brown uh, was at the gig and met up afterwards. And uh, since then, we've kept in touch. I've recorded one or two other of his songs and uh, even got to sing this song with Jackson once or twice. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's a song that continues to evolve as the world changes, the song changes. And um, I consider this to be a very, very um, important song to me personally. Uh, Sometimes it's called before the deluge and sometimes I'm mistakenly called after the deluge. But I suppose the bo bottom line is it sings, let the music keep our spirits high. And it certainly keeps my spirits high. And I think Jackson is a wonderful songwriter. Uh, we come to the two Keneally's now. We were on holidays, the family were on holidays out in Inishman. And it was beautiful out on the island and everything was going very, very well until I woke up one morning and I perceived that the atmosphere had changed on the island. And the first thing I noticed looking out the window was an old lady with binoculars looking out to sea. And when it came down to the breakfast then, the woman at the house told us that there were two fishermen had gone missing during the night. Two fishermen from Inishir had gone missing. Not so long afterwards, of course, their, their bodies were discovered. And while I was on the island, obviously it was 
it meant everything to everybody. Everybody's thinking was dominated by this tragedy. And while I was there, I, I wrote this song, The Two Keneallys. And um, that's the story of that song. Missing You was written by Jimmy McCarthy. And I've been very fortunate with Jimmy McCarthy songs. I think I've recorded four of them in all, or five even. And um, the first song of Jimmy's I recorded was, was Right On. And then he came to me with this song and uh, I, I sought his blessing to record it. And uh, it, it's become a very big song in my set. And most places I, I, I visit, I, I would get requests to sing this song. And this is kind of a different version of it. Somebody shouted it out at the Royal Festival Hall in London and I took a chance and just did it in a different key and did it in a different way. And uh, this is how it turned out. Cry Like a Man, written by Dan Penn. Um, I, I'm not sure how this song came my way. Uh, I recorded another of... of Dan Penn's songs called The Dark End of the Street, which has just recently come back into the repertoire. But Cry Like a Man, it just, it says it all, really. Somebody said to me once that some men cry and other men have heart attacks. And I get what, I get it. I get that cliche. Um, because some of us need to, need to stand up and cry more often. It releases something. It 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 um. It helps to calm us down. You know, uh, this is a great song to sing. Great song to sing. The reel in the flickering light. This was written by Colum Gallagher from Glasnevin in Dublin, who spent the last forty or fifty years of his life living in the United States, where he sings and writes and. Uh, when I heard this song from Colin Gallagher, I just thought it was a magical piece. And every time I sing it, a film runs in my head and it's an identical film and it's places I remember from growing up. That I imagine I'm looking over a wall into the graveyard in Milltown. And I imagine this is all taking place inside this whole scenario and I have specific faces and specific imagery. Uh, I've often thought that this piece would would make a beautiful short film because every time I sing it, a beautiful short film runs in my head. And I love the way some nights people laugh unexpectedly at certain of the lines. I like that. I like that. Veronica, I wrote this song out in Cape Clear. That's how I got mixed up a minute ago. <laughs> uh, we were out on holidays in Cape Clear Island in County Cork when it came on the news that Veronica Gearn had been murdered. And this courageous journalist murdered for her pursuit of heavy, heavy criminal elements in our society. And they gunned her down at Newlands Cross, Clondalkin. And again, I just felt like 
writing about her cruel murder and her passing. And every night I sing this song, I feel that we all remember. We remember, we remember. Johnny Jump Up. Many years ago, I did a tour with the wonderful Cork sing singer, Jimmy Crowley. And we toured West Cork for, I think, eight nights. And each night, Jimmy used to sing this song. And as our little tour went on, I was beginning to learn the song. And by the last night of the tour, we were singing it together. And one of my favorite singers is Jimmy Crowley. And I recorded this song which the legendary Barney McKenna of the Dubliners way back in 1976. And then it fell from the set for many, many years until one night in Vicar Street in Dublin, a voice called out, give us Johnny Jump Up. And I took a chance and I sang it and the band dug in behind me and we had a, a lovely four minutes performing this great old song. And of course, many people in the audience had never heard the song before because, it, you know, it's, it was sung a lot in the 70s and 80s and then it disappeared. So there's the humour of the members of the audience hearing the song for the first time um, shines through in this recording for me. The Inchicore Wake. Val and I were at a singing session one night and a woman called Anna Buckley sang this song. And straight away, it, it, I, I was taken to it. I was taken to the, the writing in it and the, the descriptiveness in it. And um, I also thought it had a, a vibe of Pete St. John. I, I thought I recognised the writing of Pete St. John uh, in the song. And I tracked him down and asked him, and I was very tickled to find out that he had written it. I'd never heard it before. Um, and it's, he just describes beautifully two Dublin women of fame and renown passed on the same day. And um, Pete just, I don't know. He says a lot on this song. And it's, there's humour in it and there's pathos in it and uh, there's history in it. And it describes a time long gone and then there were other items in, in it that were very, very interesting because it describes Mushet's Balm. And Mushet's Balm is still available in certain chemist shops in Dublin. And then it describes the undertaker, Claffy. And my wife's family, uh, indeed, my wife's mother was buried by the undertaker, Claffy. And my wife came from the part of, of Dublin uh, where Mushet's Balm was, was manufactured and she remembers Mushet, the chemist himself. So there's all those kind of things in it that um, I, I find interesting and different references I like. And all the nicknames are of people who existed, you know. Chase the Hearse was, was uh, Bigamy O'Keefe. These are actual people, you know, who had those nicknames. And um, I really like that. I like that. Uh, the description of the, the guy playing the last post at the funeral and uh, oh, it's, I, I think it's beautiful. Tipping Up to Nancy is a song from the, the singing of John Jack O'Reilly. John was a settled tinker. He was a tinsmith. 
he would have called himself a tinker, uh, but then since then, the gypsies, tinkers, itinerants, travelers, whatever, John was a very, very special, gentle man. And I heard him, first heard him singing when I was 18 years old. I heard him singing at a festival up in Boyle in County Roscommon. John turned me on to a kind of a song I hadn't heard before. Uh, the, the big songs, the big ballads, the ancient ballads that have lived on through the centuries. Uh, but this would be one of his lesser songs, a version of a well-known ballad. Um, and I recorded this with Martin O'Connor's band at a, a very kind of loose and happy time down in County Clare when we were rehearsing. And I just liked the groove of the outro. I really like where it goes in the outro. To me, it's trance-like. Liam O'Goflin was the greatest Ilan Piper of our time. And he famously uh, used to play Tourdom the Love after the Raggle Tagle Gypsy, which went on to become a kind of a worldwide renowned piece of music. I wrote this for Liam, a little verse, which I, I've added to a song. But when I hit the road with plexity, days and nights, in the transit van, crisscrossing the nation, from Kildaimo, we drove to Kilcrohan. Merrily we kissed the Quaker, lay down with the alligators as we sailed across the lake of Pontchartrain. Oh, the music and the banter and the sound of Lemog's chanter, I never hear the likes of him again. If I get an encore, I go home feeling like a king. Oh, I love to hear the music, but most of all, I love to hear you sing. Only Our Rivers Run Free. And in 1969, I played in a club in Leeds, Yorkshire, England. And also on the bill was a man called Cahill McConnell, a very, very fine singer and flute player. And in the course of the night, he sang this song, which had been written by his brother, Michael McConnell. Uh, they grew up in Florence Court in County Fermanagh. And it was at the time when the Irish Northern Ireland civil rights movement was, was gaining momentum. And I heard this song at that time and was very taken and, and um, got the words that night and the melody from Carl and brought it back home to Ireland in 1972 and recorded it with Planksty on our first album. Again, it became very, very popular and very famous. And, uh, but I stopped singing it across the 90s and the noughties. And uh, just recently, I got a request to sing it and uh, it's come back to life again. And people seem very happy to hear it. And there are certain songs that audience sing quietly when I perform them. And that always creates, um, for me, a very special atmosphere to sing this song amongst thousands of people 
and for them to sing it quietly, it's, it's special. The song Hurt, Johnny Cash's wonderful version of Trent Reznor's song. Uh, I'd never heard of Trent Reznor, um, but I'd he heard this song of Johnny Cash and the video that was a stunning video that was made uh, all stayed with me. In 1963, I heard Johnny Cash playing in a ballroom in County Kildare called Dreamland. And last year, I was booked to play in Dreamland, all those years later. And I kept thinking about, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand on this stage where, as a young lad, I heard Johnny Cash sing. And I thought to mark the occasion, I would learn Hurt and that I would perform it in Dreamland, County Kildare. The Well Below the Valley is one of those songs that I learned from the singing of John Riley. And this is an ancient song. When the folklorists heard uh, John Riley sing this song, uh, they, they were astounded because it was the only time the song had ever been recorded in the Irish tradition uh, or discovered uh, in the Irish tradition. There are many, many versions of this song and it's based on the story from the Old Testament, I do believe, the Palmer at the Well. And uh, this is an enormous song. It describes, it describes its, itself beautifully. And um, how it's a mystery how John Riley came to have this song. But obviously, John neither didn't read or write. He would never have had records or he would never, probably never even owned a radio. He would have learnt this song living at the side of the road in an old boat tent from the singing of his father, who learnt it from his father. So it came down through the oral tradition. And, um, oh, it's... Grain grows the lily, oh, right among the bushes, oh. The servant girl took up her pail to draw spring water from the well down below the valley, oh. Grain grows the lily, oh, right among the bushes, oh. I never fail to be captivated by the melody and by the words and it always takes me to a special place and it always will. And um, thank you. Mandolin Mountain. I first met Tony Small in a squat in Finsbury Park, London, circa 1968. And uh, Tony was a singer and we sang together and we did a bit of busking together and then I met up with him again back in Galway and then I met him in Berlin and uh, I met him hither and thither in Dingle and in Dublin and we used to share songs and swap songs and this is the last song that Tony sent me before he passed and again it captures something and the song I suppose is special to me because my mother is from County Mead from the banks of the Boyne and so the Hill of Tara always uh, resounds with me, as does the Boyne Valley and the singing and writing of Tony Small. 
from the Headford Road in County Galway. What was special about this particular rendition is I knew his three sisters and his brother were in the audience and he had not long since passed. And uh, so it was an emotional night for us all. Ordinary Man came my way many, many years ago in 1985 when I played in the Winter Gardens in Cleethorpes. The man who wrote the song, Peter Hames, pressed a cassette into my hand as I left the venue and on it was this song. We drove to London that night and I was in the back of the van with my Sonny Walkman listening to this song and by the time I got to London I had the chords worked out and the following night I began to sing it and 34 years later I still sing it most nights. Uh, it's a very very popular song. One of the few songs where an audience will sing every verse as well as the chorus. Uh, I feel very lucky to have been given this song by Peter. Ride On. I was in a recording studio late one night when Jimmy McCarthy called in. And afterwards we were having a cup of tea and uh, he picked up the guitar and he sang this song. And straight away I knew I was hearing something very, very special. And with great generosity, he shared the song with me and gave me his blessing to record it. And it was a very, very big hit back then and has lived right on through the decades since. Been covered by many people. And uh, I thank Jimmy McCarthy for sharing his, his song with me. Joxer Goes to Stuttgart is a song I wrote in the back of the van way, way back in 1989, I think and uh, it came together very, very quickly. And there's a certain kind of song that writes itself. Sometimes when you labor over a song and labor over a song, um, a lot of that laboring goes to waste because uh, you back yourself into an unsingable cul-de-sac. But this one just flew onto the page and um, flew out into the night and um, is now one of my most popular songs. Uh, 30 years later, people still cheer when uh, Ray Houghton buries the ball in the back of the English net. I met Hamish Imlock at the MSG Folk Club in Manchester back in 1967. I was in the queue to go into the gig and I had my guitar case with me and Hamish saw the guitar case and stopped on the way in and chatted to me and then brought me in as his guest and we became we became brotherly friends. I travelled with him for a few years. He got, gave me a load of support spots. He allowed me to stay in his family home in Motherwell. And uh, every night I sing Black is the Colour. I played at a folk club in Chatham in Kent in 1969 and there was a young man in the audience called Christy Hennessy. He came along to the gig with a, a young fiddle player called Kevin Burke. Subsequently, Kevin Burke came to Ireland to play in my band and um, he brought with him Christy Hennessy's first album and on that album was the song Don't Forget Your Shovel. I contacted Christy and asked for his permission to record his song, which I, I did. I recorded it and it became my first hit. As a solo singer, I had a hit with Don't Forget Your Shovel that really changed my life. Uh, it was the first time I crossed over from being a kind of a folk singer into being a popular singer. 
and uh, a great, great song, simple song that continues to evolve. I can still drop new verses into it and still have fun with it. And Christy Hennessy really enjoyed the success that I had with his song. And uh, he was a dear friend. Johnny Doohan uh, shared many songs with me. I recorded uh, a song of his on uh, my Ride On album, a song called El Salvador. Uh, then he came and visited me in Dublin with this song, The Voyage. And I recorded it first, oh, it must be at least 30 years ago. And again, it became very, very popular. And uh, again, it crossed me over into a, a, an audience I hadn't met before. Uh, I remember going over to England and, and singing it on a couple of shows like uh, Terry Wogan's show and... Gloria Honeyford and it got me into that arena and which was interesting and different and uh, I always loved to sing Johnny Doohan's song The Voyage. Delirium Tremens is a song written purely uh, on personal experience. The Fairy Tale of New York is, is just, it's a classic song. Uh, Shane McGowan and Jem Finer they pulled it off once yet again. They write a song that is reached out across the generations, across the cultures, and, and um, it's it's it's. I remember singing this song at a festival in New York, in Randall's Island. <laughs> it was Sunday evening when I sang the fairy tale of New York, and. But eight members of the NYPD came across the front of the stage and saluted the song. And it was a strange and wonderful moment. Just like Shane is a strange and wonderful man. And I, I send him I send him love and best wishes wherever he is this day. The legendary Listoon Varna Festival ran for six years, I think from 1978 to 1982 or 83. I played at most of those festivals. Uh, the first year I was top of the bill, the second year I was down the bill, third the bill, year I was further down the bill. And, <laughs> and then one year I was asked to go on before Rory Gallagher. And I agreed to do it, but as the time drew near, I was daunted by the prospect because at that time, Rory was huge right throughout Europe and had a very, very large following. And I was thinking to myself, how am I going to go on with my little uh, Yamaha guitar before 50,000 Rory Gallagher fans? And I wrote this as a kind of a bit of a rap, really. And uh, I thought of something I'd perform once and then never play again. And I performed it once and I've played it again and again and again and again. And it's now 40 years on and I'm still singing Listoon Varna. And it continues to emerge. And uh, like when I came to record my Ride On album, I wasn't going to put Listoon Varna down because I didn't think it was good enough. And my manager at the time said, you've got to put this down. You've got to put it down. And I did. And how right he was. Uh, it's proved to be um, a legendary song for me. It ended up in uh, the um, 
Penguin Book of Irish Poetry and Song. So there you go. How's that for a feather on my cap? The cliffs of Dunneen are situated down on the coast, the north coast of Kerry, where Kerry, County Kerry, looks across the River Shannon over onto the coast of Clare. And even though the song has developed its own legend and has gone right around the world, the cliffs themselves are only about 10 metres high. We all think the cliffs of the Nain are as high as the cliffs of Moor, but they're not. But in song, they are. Uh, I think everybody who hears this song can create their own little story and their own little picture. And it's always been a wonderful song to sing. Weekend in Amsterdam was written by my old neighbour, Paul McCormack from Newbridge in County Kildare. I've known Paul since childhood and uh, the song describes a legendary weekend when Paul and three of his buddies went to Amsterdam for the weekend and the song was based very much on a song I used to sing called The Crack Was Ninety in the Isle of Man. It really is a parody of The Crack Was Ninety which like Nancy Spain was written by the legend from Sally Noggin County Dublin, Barney Rush. Uh, may he rest in peace. Viva la Quinta Brigada. We were in Spain and I was reading a book called The Connolly Column, which spoke about Irish volunteers who went to Spain to fight fascism. And reading the book, I just lifted stories and names from the pages of the book and I wrote this song. And through recording this song, I've got to meet many, many very interesting people. Uh, made many, many good friends. I met all the Irish brigadistas who were still alive. And uh, this song has led me into many interesting houses and rooms. And I'm proud to have met the brigadistas I met and to have shared this song with them. And uh, it's been my privilege. City of Chicago. I left Newbridge, County Kildare when I was 18. And when I left, my brother Barry was eight years old. When I came back, he was 15 and he was playing the guitar and he was writing songs and uh, playing chords I've never mastered. And uh, his songs were an inspiration to me, even though I was the eldest in the family and he was the youngest. Uh, I, I love his songs, I love his work and his style of writing. And he, he gave me permission to sing this song and it has saved many's the night for me. Very often I open with this song because it's a song that people like to sing. It's an icebreaker. I sing this song and the audience sing with me from the get-go. City of Chicago, written by my lovely brother, Barry Moore, also known as Luca Bloom. Go, move, shift. Probably the most inspirational songwriter I've encountered in my life was Ewan McCall. Ewan has written many, many songs that have passed into the repertoires of people right around the world. 
there are hundreds of thousands of people who know Ewan McCall's songs without knowing his name. The first time ever I saw your face, dirty old town, traveling people, the shoals of herring. He wrote hundreds of songs. And this is one of the songs of Ewan McCall's that I've recorded. When I was 22, I sang in his club, sat on the stage with him. And he was so encouraging and inspirational. I heard Barney Rush sing Nancy Spain on the island of Jersey back in 1968. And uh, the song struck me straight away has been special for a lot of different reasons. Songs with Nancy in them are always special because my greatest influence was my mother Nancy who taught me how to sing and uh, introduced me to the power of song. And uh, this this indeed is, is a powerful song. Lingo Politico was written by Pat Quinn who lives in Inishir in the Aran Islands. And his songs are, they're marvels. And if you'd like to hear more of his work, you can hear him on YouTube. Just put in Pat Quinn. And uh, there are four or five of his songs there, including this Lingo Politico, which he's allowed me to play with. And he's allowed me to extend and to shorten and to expand upon. The Raggle Taggle Gypsy, yet another song from John Riley whom I've spoken about already. St. Brendan's Voyage. I was playing down in Kerry and after the gig, there was a lock-in. There was a bit of late night drinking going on and uh, about two o'clock in the morning, the door burst open and who walked in but Paddy O'Shea, a legendary Kerry footballer. And who was with him but the Taoiseach, Charlie Hawhey. And one thing led to another and we had a few glasses and uh, Charlie invited me to visit the island of Inishvikalon where he had a summer home. And I said to him, how am I going to get out to Inishvikalon? He said, I'll send a fucking chopper in for you, Christy. And um, I said, okay. And the next day we made our way to the airfield, but it was fog bound and the chopper never arrived. So instead, myself and McCarthy, we made for, we made for, where do we make for, what's the name? Brandon. We made for the village of Brandon. And we spent a day in the pub there. And by the time we left that night, the kernel of this song uh, was in my head. Beeswing, classic song written by Richard Thompson. I first heard him sing it 50 years ago and um, was relieved when I heard that he approved of my version of his beautiful Beeswing. The Ballad of Mickey McElhatton is the second song I wrote from the pen of Bobby Sands. In this song, he talks about the fiddle player and potching maker, Michael McElhatton from Glen Ravel's Glen. Michael was a legend in his own right. He played the most beautiful music and he distilled the most wonderful putteen and people still talk about Mickey McElhatton in the Glens of Antrim. A Bright Blue Rose is an interesting song. People assume different things. I like that in a song when people can assume different interpretations. 
I just think it's a beautiful song. I skimmed across black water. Uh, what an opening line for all of you who must discover. It's, it's a great song. My favorite version is a barman in Cork singing it as he pours drink behind the bar. It's on YouTube if you can find it. It's classic. If I get an encore, I go home feeling like a king. It's so obvious. I, 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 that's exactly why I wrote the song. I wrote the song in the event of me getting an encore. It's just a way of saying thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for asking for more. North and South of the River, I wrote with uh, Bono and the Edge. The Time Has Come is a song I wrote as a reflection upon the terrible time of 1981, the terrible time of hunger strike. I find it hard to believe that it's now 50 years since I released my first album. Back in uh, 1969, Paddy on the Road was released and a uh, huge time in my life. I don't particularly like listening to it now, but I still uh, pour at the memory of having an album because back in the day, it was very, very difficult to record an album. Different world we live in now. You get the guitar Tuesday and record the album on Wednesday. But um, I, I have a deep gratitude for the mystery of it all. I'm blessed in that at work I'm surrounded by a great team of comrades, of friends. Uh, their talents and their vital contributions keep this whole show on the road. Every night at eight o'clock, we stand at the side of the stage. We breathe in the air of expectancy, the intoxicating waft of perfume and aftershave. <sighs> the crew complete their final checks. The lights go down and out we go once more to face the music. Thank you all for listening, one and all. Keep coming back.